0: Have you ever had that moment where you took a second look? Strange lights in the sky, odd sounds in the dark, shadowy figures from the corner of your eye.
1: You never know when you might encounter the unknown, lying in bed at home, out for a drive, or perhaps on a camping
0: trip with friends. Hi, I'm Karen. And I'm her partner, Wayne. And we hope you'll let us take you through the dark and unfamiliar. mystery by definition something secret and unexplainable an unknown it's no secret that humans love a good mystery in fact we love it so much we tend to create ones where they don't exist the appeal of something being more than what it is has an intoxicating allure because for the average person life is very ordinary very stable and very much about what is known Even expected, which for some people is probably just what they want. They want the parameters of their lives to be simple and controlled, because the unknown is far too frightening to contemplate. But for many, many others, it is the very strange and anonymous nature of a mystery that makes it so appealing. It challenges the borders of their lives in ways both unusual and profound. A quote by Nick Davis, who's a British journalist, says, Once the world was full of mysteries, some of them frightening, some of them wonderful, some of them merely fascinating. Now it can be a banal and predictable place, the tracks of daily life so well beaten and defined, our culture awash with the imbecile obvious, our existence suffocating in safety, but mysteries remain. Centuries ago, humans lived in fear of the strange and wild world that surrounded them. They sought to define it with fantastical myths and omnipotent deities. But the world shrank through industry and technology. The deities retreated into clouds and confusion. Even as we pushed out into the world, carving out order from the chaos, inside humanity remained the urgent need to have mystery remain. The more humans knew, the more they still craved mystery. Some turned to the big mysteries. Why are we here? What is our purpose? Where do we go when we die? But those questions are enormous and vast with their implications and complications. So creating mysteries that possess the potential to be solved provides infinitely more satisfying rewards. Or so one would think. Let me be clear. There are plenty of subjects in the world that remain a mystery to us. Alien life, cryptids, shadow people, all sorts of high strangeness. Some are being actively investigated by multiple agencies or individuals. Some are simply the subject for a Reddit thread. Some may be solved in our lifetimes, while others may take decades more of investigation. Perhaps the reason we keep making mysteries is because we're afraid of what happens when there are no more mysteries to solve. When we know once and for all the answers to what sort of intelligent life exists in our universe and beyond. When we know at last what sort of cryptids still exist in our world in the dark, hidden spaces. Perhaps there is a desperate and urgent need in humanity to keep mystery alive. Because the search for mystery is what defines us expands our souls and in the end helps us navigate this incredibly extraordinary world we live in.
1: The glow of the dial illuminates your face as the sun finishes dipping behind the horizon. The dying light casts odd shadows on your features. Three tones come out of the speaker as part of a sequence that is then followed by the not so human voice repeating numbers. You sit for a moment, transfixed by the whole experience and wonder exactly what you just heard. The only thing left for light is the dial of your short wave AM radio and the sequential tones have started again. Your radio's never produced that sound before, and you're kind of wondering with yourself, what is this? What did I just hear? What did I just experience? This lends to the mysteries that even regular day life can give you. And if you're wondering what that is, well, that answer is a lengthy one, and it does need some questions to go ahead and set this up for it.
0: Okay, so I guess this is the point where I ask you, what was it
1: that is a wonderful thing that's known as a number station now these number stations have been around since the since basically world war 1 now you've got to think about that world war 1 was in the early 20th century and prior to that you got to think well what were we doing prior to the early 20th century nothing because we did not know what a radio wave was until 1886 which is the late 19th century, right there. So you've got to ask yourself, how come we knew it then? Because of a German physicist named Heinrich Hertz. Now imagine that the unit of measurement like used. Like
0: megahertz.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The unit of measurement used to basically, um, you know, identify radio waves is named after the gentleman who found it. So then what are we thinking here? Okay, so now we have radio waves, but it wouldn't have mattered because everyone knows knows of the italian the italian named marconi, marconi who made the first practical radio transmitter and receivers were developed by him so now you're thinking okay so we went from 18 1895 between 1895 and 1896 is one uh, his first name's so hard, we'll just go with Marconi, he developed these radio transmitters and receivers. At, prior to that, 10 years prior to that, that's when the radio wave was first identified. And then let's jump to the first usage of these number stations to World War I. But those numbers were transmitted in Morse code, so if you're starting to think about it, was it World War One or World War Two? World War One. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. That's so crazy. So then you're thinking all of these first number stations were transmitted in Morse code. Right. So there was no voice, not like the one with the little scene that you got right there.
0: So, So at first it was just noises. It was just sounds, Morse code tapping out. Yes. Messages. Yes. And, that was it. And then it eventually progressed to the kind of number stations that most people who know of them, and not a lot of people do, but anyone into high strangeness and the paranormal knows what a number station but, is. But really, there's nothing really that you could attribute high strangeness to right. or anything paranormal
1: because you know, number stations have been around, and the the lengthy answer that we're going into here that I just went through, it was all for one reason, espionage.
0: Yeah. It was a way to communicate with their spies and give them yeah. messages that no one else could it, get. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And you didn't see this until the rise of the Cold War, so you've got to think about it. number stations. What? Why would we lend something so, you well, know, that's, supernatural to something? I
0: don't know. And, it, it you know, integrated. radio, I think, I think essentially, you know, radio is such a pivotal connector in our history because before you had the radio, people had to wait for letters. They had to wait for telegrams. They didn't have a voice to guide them, to give them news, to give them information, and through any of the wars, you know, When mass commercial radio came out, which I think was closer to World War II than World War I, although you would know more than me at this point, um, it became life-saving. My mother grew up listening to her radio shows. That was the only way people got the news. That's
1: exactly right. Now, what you've got to really think about this here is um, why such a low-tech way to convey a message?
0: I imagine because it's functional and it, it works in spite of...
1: It's very hard to interrupt as well, be intercepted, anything like that. An AM radio wave yeah. is an AM radio wave.
0: I think, I think th- what helps people still want to see it in a mysterious fashion is because there's something about listening only that it, essentially you're quote-unquote blind. You can't see something. You can't touch something. You're strictly dependent on one sense to, to, you know, give you information. And so that makes it feel scary. It makes it makes people feel, um, you know, on edge or off, off balance. And I think that's why so many people want to see it as, and it's creepy sounding. I've, if you've listened to, um, well not listened to, but there's a movie called the Banshee chapter where they use one and they use it very effectively and of course, the I don't want to give away the secrets of that movie because it's actually really good and you can still find it on Amazon Prime, um, but it relates to aliens and other beings. And so they've kind of intrinsically tied those together that what if another intelligence was using number stations to communicate? Um, because as you said, like it's a low tech way that is still functioning. They're still out there. There's two number stations that are still going and... You know, if you go on Reddit or any other places where they follow that stuff, they'll tell you how to find them. But I don't know. I mean, it seems pretty practical from what you're saying that it's just, it's espionage. It's how they communicated. It was a way to get information to their spies, you know, no more than that.
1: Yeah, that's it. And it's taken on a life of its own. People want to say, oh, I've heard creepy things come out of number stations. Well, maybe that's your interpretation of it, because...
0: You don't know what the message is. <laughs> the message could be simply, you know, pick up your orders at, you know, wherever, or we need you to travel to this country. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of hard, though. We we live in a world now that we have so many advanced, oh, uh, like, movies and shows that relate to espionage that are so sophisticated. I mean, any James Bond film will show you even in ludicrous ways, how advanced technology is imagined to be in the espionage world, and so I guess people look at something as rudimentary as an, a person in you know reciting numbers in the dark as something disturbing, probably because they used a lot of children 's voices to do it right no,
1: i mean that's that's done by a, that's done by a um that's actually done by a piece of equipment. Hold on. Let me grab its name real quick. Okay. That is done by a piece of equipment.
0: So it's like Alexa, but for a spies?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like Alexa, exactly like spies, <laughs> but for spies. That's called the Speech Morse Generator is what it is.
0: Oh, so it puts words or numbers yeah. to the morse. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know that. That's really cool. That's where you get it from, so you you really got
1: to think about it because um, the, think about the applications of a shortwave short wave AM radio when it comes to being a spy. You're just walking around with a radio. It's yeah. not illegal to have a radio. Yeah. yeah. And so what? You're just walking through this, this country field where they said they were going to beam the transmission in the area of.
0: Yeah, I guess people just want it to be mysterious because it's unusual. Because it's not something you would encounter, and and if you know anything about radio waves, they they don't end; they go out into outer space, and the propagation exist. continues. Yeah, they continues. just continue forever, which to so, me is very yeah absolutely.
1: It, it does it does lend to the credence of a good mystery, right there. What you're thinking about for this good mystery is why do we still have them when we live in the age of information? Because well, they still information work. can be intercepted and yeah. decoded and decrypted over time. shortwave transmission with a set of numbers that you sending to your that you're sending to your agent in the field. who knows exactly what? every sequence of numbers right. throughout because they've been trained to it, Just living in just living,
0: you know unknown and out there, and there you go. I guess this was the part that was missing from the Black Widow movie is when she's listening to a number station to get her orders. I, but she I guess, I, I
1: don't know, but no. See, but we're talking about real espionage yeah. and real things here where it's basic, basic simple orders of the number station tells you what to do, where to go, when to be there, what to well, execute, things like that. And maybe it's maybe it's just directions to a cold drop, another number station to direct you where you're going because maybe they're afraid that you're being followed. The whole thing about the number station is it's it's a
0: clandestine tool. Yeah, but I, I circle back to what I said earlier, and like I hear you, like it's pretty basic, it's functional, that's why it's there. But it's impossible to ignore the fact that if you're listening to one, and if you happen across it you know, just on the dial on your ham radio and you happen across this strange, you know, sounding child, even if it's not a real child, you don't know that. And so imagine all the people living in rural communities or in places where they're not inundated with modern news and modern technology. It, it has to set off, you know, quite a few, um, hackles rising on the back of someone's neck. Like, wow, I said hackles like they were dogs. I meant (laughs) the hairs on the back of your neck. Um, You know, and I think that in a world where, as I said, people want mystery, people crave figuring something out, it kind of sparks that off in people. And I think it becomes impossible for someone to walk away, even if the viable answer is right there. It's espionage. It's just a functional way for them to communicate to their spies. But let's think about that for a second. The idea that somewhere out there, someone is listening to that and getting their orders, that's kind of a disturbing thought on its well, own.
1: Also, too, think about it like this way. One of the most well-known number station called the Lincolnshire Poacher, right, which is thought to have been run by the British Secret Intelligence Service. You know, it was first broadcast from Bletchley Park in the mid-1970s? No. Yeah, that's where it was first broadcast from. Isn't
0: Bletchley Park where they invented most of their spy breaker uh, code breakers? Uh. I, Ble- yeah, Bletchley Circle is a show I watched on Amazon Prime about the women who were trained to learn to be code breakers there. So that's cool. That's a cool tie-in.
1: Mm-hmm. But it was then later broadcast from RAF uh, Terry in Cyprus. And it broadcast until 2008, at which point it's no longer broadcasting. So you got to think if... If they started in Bletchley Park, not Bletchley
0: Circle, but Bletchley Park. Well Bletchley Circle was just the circle of women. They just it happened at Bletchley, but they call it Bletchley Circle.
1: And then it moved to a different station, then it was repurposed to actually be used for something else, which is not a bad thing.
0: That's our dog Connor.
1: (laughs) You know? So going from there is not a bad thing at all because it's still showing you a rather, you know, mundane usage of something and how it moves. Not that it was mysteriously there one day broadcasting. But it was to them.
0: You can't deny that someone's experience is they don't know the origin of it. They're just flipping the dial and they hear it. They don't know what it means. And like but, I said earlier... But most
1: radio operators are trained and partially intelligent, if anything. Radio
0: operators, but not the average person who just buys a ham radio and starts fiddling around with it. You can't just
1: buy a ham radio.
0: Well, you have to be licensed, I know. That's right. Right. That's
1: why I'm not like the average person just fiddling around with it. It's not going to be your average person just fiddling around with stuff. Your average person is going to hit their 9 to 5, wonder about mysteries like this, and be like, oh, I watched this movie about this, and sure, great, wonderful, you've watched a movie about it, but the average person won't be finding it. It's when you get into the weird and the high strangeness and everything, and you lend something of a little bit of paranormal to something like this, that it is, that's when people are like, oh, what's that?
0: Well, true. You can put an overlay of paranormal onto almost anything if you want to. I mean, it, it isn't difficult to say that something that appears out of the norm to be perceived in a way that is disturbing, scary, creepy. I mean... We're not talking about it today, but I'd like to talk to us one day about um, sleep paralysis and how that's perceived on both ends of the spectrum from the person experiencing it to the scientists who are studying it. So yeah, I mean, maybe a ham operator wouldn't, but obviously at some point people who heard it had no idea what it meant, and immediately got intrigued and said, I want to know more, but it's espionage, so there's not going to be redi- well, you know, readily available information. Yeah, absolutely,
1: ham radio operators, back during the Cold War <clears throat> when they saw their climb up, would be extremely interested about, well, what is this? What's it meant for? How is it used? Why are they broadcasting? Why does the message repeat? Things like that. Yes, absolutely, people would want to know about that. But you've got to remember also, too, that their usages, whilst boring and unintentionally boring, <laughs> because it was meant as a tool
0: of spycraft. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be glamorous or exciting. This was meant to relay information. Well, are there any still operating today?
1: Of course. So, they're still. So they're ma- still so Do
0: you know what they're called?
1: No, not really, because um, the only two that have actually had any type of uh, identifications or country claiming them would be one identified by the Swedish Security Service and the Czech Ministry of Interior actually um, claimed that it was a Czechoslovakian, Czechoslovakian number station for espionage. And declassified documents support this as well.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But there's still ones that are, that are going... Because you are not espionage doesn't stop. why, why would it stop? I mean, we, yeah. we can't get along together. People.
0: I think I think what's interesting is that it's still being utilized when most things you read about you know the next cyber well the next war will actually be a cyber war. I mean, we've already seen how hackers you know, can take down entire countries if they want to. So it kind of seems incongruous that you have this very rudimentary, System, and it's going up against you know these cyber you know super advanced hackers and cyber terrorists. Um, so it's this weird. I mean i I get that it's there's nothing really essentially weird about it. It's weird to consider it <clears throat> sorry, in this world today. And I think when people want things to be mysterious, they make them mysterious. And the, the funny part is that there's plenty of things in the world, like I said earlier, that are always going to be kind of shrouded in this mysterious overlay. You know, um, aliens, cryptids, shadow people, ghosts, you know, all of that are inherently mysterious because we don't know. You know, no, there's no definitive answer yet. But something like this, there is a definitive answer. It's espionage. It's, this is what it is. This is all it was ever used for. But there will be people who will insist, and I, I guess that kind of goes into the people who get really fanatical about conspiracy theories, like we didn't go to the moon, or <laughs> you know, the Earth is flat, or you know, and I, there. Yeah, are con- those
1: people are wonderful. Yeah. yeah
0: well, you. there's there, but, are, uh, but no, really, you you can
1: still lend a little bit of the paranormal to it because think about the way think about the way it's just out there it's out there it has a cycle it runs when it signs off it signs off in the language of the broadcaster who's supposed to be understanding it and but then think about if you just heard one out of context without knowing about it like you're you're let's say you're vacationing in europe okay Picture this. You're vacationing in Europe. I've been to Europe. Yes. The, roads <laughs> the roads are narrow. The roads are narrow in some places, things like that. Uh, but but it's a beautiful country overall. You're driving. You're messing with your radio. Somehow it got knocked Day, I mean, you hear this come out of your radio in a foreign country, in a foreign car that you're driving. At but night. At, <laughs> at night. And think about the apprehension that would put upon you. Yeah, you because it's feel. totally unknown and you have no idea. Well, I mean, we would, so, but... So basically, you can lend some paranormal to it in certain situations.
0: Well, what if somebody hijacked one? Like I see, see, that's what I find intriguing. Like, so there's this existing radio. We, you know, most people hear these days as we're talking about would go, oh, it's a number station. It's you know, whatever. But like, what if something hijacked it and was using it for some nefarious purpose? Like, I know that's like the stuff for a movie or a book, but it kind of I think what it, what gets people's but minds. What? What?
1: The what? The nefarious purpose?
0: What kind of nefarious purpose is that? I'm just saying, like, in in Banshee chapter, that was the whole point, that some sort of other life, some alien life was using it, Okay, as a way so to communicate. So first of
1: all, aliens have a lot better shit to do <laughs> no! than use
0: our number stations. But to it's devious with us. because it's already in our subconscious. So, so what,
1: Karen? Aliens? You want to know what? If they're as technologically advanced as they, I appear hope they to are, because
0: God knows we are. Then
1: you want to know what? Then I don't think they would do that. They're just going to show up, give up. Why not? And then they're going to nuke a hole through the planet and be like, "That's why." Yeah, but like, would okay. they? Were, you,
0: I don't think they'd use nuclear weapons. Come you on. know what
1: I mean? I know. Nuke a hole I know. through the point. See, they, if they have as much technology as they claim, then basically they could just be like, um, "Yeah, see that guy right there that's standing next to you. Yeah, what about him? He melts suddenly. Things yeah. like that, just <laughs> to prove a point. Just bloop. Oh. oh, so doing it through number stations. I mean, that is a very covert way to go about it. But
0: I'm yes. just saying, there's a lot of when you when you read into it or you watch a lot of movies or books about, you know, how we would be. Subsumed, of course, there's the whole conspiracies about all sorts of things. But you know, it would be a low key way to kind of slide on in that people wouldn't pay attention to at first. Because think about it, if if you're a ham operator and you've heard this number station for years now and you would but never notice that's it,
1: the thing. The people who track them would notice a difference in
0: them. That's the whole
1: point right
0: there. But <laughs> I can't let go of this. I'm sorry. Just because it's funny to me. Go right ahead. I'll okay. Counter. So, what if a new number station appeared that wasn't, you know, like. Okay, it's like a Trojan horse. Like if a number if a number station appeared, nobody would really give it a second look cuz they'd go, "Oh, it's just a number station I never well, heard before." You got to
1: remember most number stations are terrestrial in origin. Right. So where would this one be coming from? But uh-huh, if you That's tra- the point. If you couldn't track it back to a terrestrial <laughs> origin, then you'd just dismiss it off as other Well, I don't know how ham, ham radios work. Like
0: so I have no idea. Like I have no idea how you'd pick it up on your ham radio if it wasn't terrestrial. So <laughs> Well, I mean, you can people, people pick up thing. we watched that show called strange signals that talks about, you know, certain yeah, but those
1: people have modified their equipment or are looking right. for shit like that though.
0: Yeah. There's that one guy who's been listening for, um, that, the Wow signal for decades. Yeah,
1: but there's also that one guy who claims to have had sex with an alien too. Oh,
0: if you bring that, don't so, don't make fun of that man. He I'm, not. I'm He believes I'm saying, it.
1: He believes it. That that's his lexicon of reality for him. Yeah, himself.
0: exactly. That is but his lexicon. I'm
1: just saying, most people, you you try to triangulate signals when you're looking uh, for okay. See, I don't know you, it. You, so. Most people are are nosy and want to know where <laughs> shit comes from.
0: I would. I mean, if I understood how I ham mean, radio works, I'd probably be like that. But I who isn't I, nosy like that? That doesn't want to know where anything comes from. Oh, I'm nosy. I'm I know nosy you as are. fuck. I <laughs> I'm always asking, why did that person do that, and why did that happen? And you know, I think most people go through life, you know, not looking for answers. Like I said, you know, some people are just like, nope, this is my path. I'm going to walk it every day. But there are a significant number of people. You know, who investigate the paranormal, who are just so intrigued by and want to know where, why is this happening? Where did this come from? You know? Um, so we have to, you know, take that into account when you're thinking about stuff that there's always going to be somebody... Asking a question. Oh, well, yeah. no,
1: absolutely. There's always someone who wants to have an answer, especially when it comes to shit that they know nothing about.
0: Yeah. Well, then there's the people who want to offer answers that don't have anything to do with what it was at, at all.
1: Yeah, like, oh, it was Swamp Gas. Uh, so, oh. Okay, so
0: I want to mention this show because it is really good, and it's called Project Blue Book. Are we uh, advertising for No, but, I, but it relates to the Swamp Gas. Because I was going to say about it, um, I don't want to relate something and not tell people where it came from. Um, History Channel actually did a show on um, the, oh my God, Wayne, I can't remember his name. Dr. Heineck, Heineck. Dr. Heineck, who was part of Project Blue Book, which if you don't know what that is, Project Blue Book was supposedly a government... Project
1: Blue Book was commissioned by the United States Air, Air Force, Force basically to disprove the disprove life of UFOs and extraterrestrials. Right.
0: And of course, what came out of that is Nick saying, you know, years later after it went on for like seven years. And then I think 10 years after that, he started publishing his work on it and saying that, you know, even though officially Project Blue Book said there there is no Ellie in life, you, you there's know nothing what? I
1: can't I can't buy a man's word who basically said one thing for so long and then comes back and publishes his personal yeah. notes that says another thing. I think he was I think he
0: went into it though, kind of like look at Scully and Mulder. What made that show work is because Scully set out to disprove everything because that's what she was told she was supposed to do. And Right up until the end, practically, she kept trying to say it, it couldn't be true, it couldn't happen, even as she'd been abducted, even as she'd witnessed things that she couldn't explain rationally. And I think that Heineck went in with the same sort of premise that, you know, I'm a scientist, I need to debunk things that, you know, don't fall in w- within the scientific realm. But when you're watching the show, which is very heavily flic- f- excuse me, fictionalized, there's a lot of things they bring out about cases that you've kind of heard about if you're in it and in any form into the UFO history in our country, but, um, they talk about one case where everything was relegated to being swamp gas. And it's hilarious when you watch the episode, you're like, how in the world did they expect people who had seen massive lights in the sky who had witnessed craft to tell them it was actually just gas floating high enough above the ground that you mistook it for that. It's no wonder people got enraged and stopped telling the government anything. You know they were insulted.
1: Show is high dramatization. It is high dramatization, but it's interesting. But uh, again, when you're trying to tell people, oh, you didn't see what you think you saw, that doesn't really go over well. And when you try to tell, and I'd hate to say it like this because it's true, when you try to tell an American you didn't see what you think you saw, (laughs) especially if you're our government. Oh gosh, that's that's when you're gonna get some things thrown back at you that you didn't want, and it does show in certain situations. Were the in this dramatization of the blue book, where basically the townspeople didn't go along with it, right? And right, that was very interesting. So.
0: Well, I think one of the biggest cases is the Phoenix Lights. Um, because- Another mystery. Another mystery, but it. But it, people saw something. They, I mean, there's no disputing that enough people saw something significant, including the fact that the governor at the time, who made fun of them by bringing out someone at the news conference who was dressed like an alien to kind of make it a joke, you know, years later came out and, and apologized. He and recanted
1: said, everything he, he said. He
0: recanted everything he said. He goes, he he got a call. That told him he needed to downplay everything and calm everyone down, and so that's what he did. But there are, t- in I think I just read there was also someone famous too who saw the Phoenix Lights, and I want to say not Arnold Schwarzenegger, but someone wasn't it like Kurt Russell? Yes, Kurt Russell, I think it was. Saw he was the, out there filming. He or was doing out filming something or in something, in and he's. I mean, at some point you've got to say people saw something, and if you can't explain it away with a rational explanation, then leave it in the existence of mystery. And yes, we, I know recently there have been all these declarations by the government that yes, UFOs exist and we have the TikTok video and all that, but there's still this sense, like if you, try telling the average person you know, yeah, I believe in aliens and I believe in, they'll look at you like you're a nut job, you know, and hand you tinfoil.
1: I've lived with you long enough to know these both these things are true. But well, okay. that is true. But now, the
0: whole <laughs> the whole point of this
1: is, We love mystery.
0: We love mystery.
1: Do we love trying to unravel it? Oh, fuck yes. We try to love to unravel it. But you have to be careful. You have to look at these mysteries and how you proceed with unraveling them. Right. That's where your caution should come
0: in. You have to deploy enough scientific theory that you can be comfortable in your conclusion. If you say at the end of your investigation, I cannot explain within the normal parameters of life what happened... You have to be comfortable knowing that you've exhausted the other side of the coin, you know, instead of just assuming it's a mystery, because that's a dangerous path to go down. We don't want mysteries to exist. Yes, the search for a mystery, I think, is what gives humanity so much to go on and and helps us expand our minds so significantly. But it can be a very dangerous route. I thought that's
1: what drugs were for. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I... Going down the rabbit hole, you need to bring, bring repelling gear so you know how to get out. Oh, so we're not just jumping right in. No. Okay,
1: because- no, but that makes sense. You're right. Using caution when you're exploring yeah. things, when you're expanding your mind, when you're expanding your reality for yourself.
0: And be careful where you do your research. I mean, I think it's easy these days to just keep hitting Wikipedia or you know other links And if you're not tracking your sources, if you're not paying attention, it's very easy for the search engines that be to feed you what you want to hear and not necessarily what is the truth. So, yeah, searching for mystery. I think it's important. I think it's what makes life interesting. But uh, creating a mystery where one shouldn't exist is a very dangerous perception game to play with yourself and with others because you can can – can, oh yeah
1: you you can do that to yourself and you can drive yourself stir crazy when you yeah. create a mystery where you know maybe one shouldn't be, but also too remember um if you're a parent of any kind the first time you're gonna see see the thoughts of a mystery blossom upon someone's face is your own child's yeah because they don't understand a lot of what we're what the world's about until they get old enough but that's a different sort of mystery
0: yeah and and teaching your child how to explore mysteries in a safe and uh intelligent fashion is also important because you want them to experience it but you don't want them to get sucked into uh you know and again down that rabbit hole without your repelling gear exactly
1: and that's basically what the internet has done for us these days they give us the hole yeah they give us the hole and also, what you need to do is: Do you want to go down that hole, or do you want to grab your gear and slowly descend yes, and take your time exactly, and examine these things, and basically get get with them, get to know them, get to learn learn them, love them, and pick which ones are the best ones for you, not what's what culturally Someone's telling or you, yeah. what you know is socially accepted. What's your mystery, and
0: and you can't be afraid to say what you believe in or what you're intrigued by and have people censure you through making you feel embarrassed about it. Or, you know, I mean, I, I certainly for years, you know, was very hesitant to tell people, yeah, you know, I believe in this or I believe in that because I just knew that socially it was going to be, um, uncomfortable, the kind of feedback I would get. And let's
1: not forget about that one time when we were first married with that one gentleman from my command, how we were those yeah, people. We
0: were those people, and we're going to own it. We were invited to a festival for pagans, and I am a and pagan he now. He
1: said to he said to us, "You guys would probably enjoy yeah, it." Yeah, he goes. I were think like, that we paid that him lip service. Yeah, we, we paid him lip service, and then
0: we laughed at him. And if he ever hears
1: this, this is our apology to him. First of all, yeah, for wherever he is. Him lip service. Um, I mean, he was, and the funny thing was, he was a religious programist petty officer, yeah. which basically means that was organized religion. He worked for our chaplain. So, yep. but we laughed at him and you want we did. Know, we thought it was apology. hilarious. We thought
0: it was the funniest well, thing in the world. Here's the thing. Neither, you know, Wayne and I, you are, want to know are, what?
1: that was us not embracing a mystery.
0: Yeah. And the, uh, what's important to note is that neither one of us was particularly religious in any form Although I am now a pagan and Wayne is a heathen, which is kind of the same thing, but he's on his own path. But the point I'm making is that he saw something in us that we didn't even see, that we weren't willing to look that, at yet. That's a
1: big thing. And when that's Someone else thing. sees it in you, but yeah. you don't see it yet because that You're is... You're not comfortable with it. That is a mystery about your soul that you're wondering, what do they see that right. I don't?
0: exactly. And I think that's incredible. And sometimes I think you really have to pay attention when you meet someone who says to you, um, there's something about you, or I really think you'd get into this. Unless it's a cult. And then well, you unless just it's say, a cult, no, then no. you just want to keep on walking. Keep on walking. Um, so I think that's a mystery that you might want to take that time to unravel. Like, why did they think that about me? And it could be a negative thing too. They could be saying something that you maybe don't realize you're projecting into the world.
1: Yeah. You know, Yeah, it could be something like that as well.
0: And so you want to like take that in and think about it and, and kind of ruminate on it and go, well, maybe they saw something I didn't see. And I wish now we could tell them an apology because I think we would have loved to go to that festival. It would have been awesome.
1: Oh, it would have been great. And we would have enjoyed it wholeheartedly. But the whole point of everything is...
0: Mysteries remain. <laughs> mysteries
1: remain, and you want to... Be, be the
0: Scooby-Doo gang. Yeah, go chase look for that mysteries. mystery. I think that's why Scooby-Doo was always my favorite and also so disappointing because... I, I think I said it two episodes ago, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, they were always on the trail of a mystery. They were always willing to jump in the van pack the Scooby treats, and go hunt a mystery. Oh, I thought
1: that was because they were Vietnam War dissidents. <laughs> That's also, oh, my God. The Scooby-Doo gang is anti-war protesters, well, led they,
0: by Velma. Think, think about that. Because you know Velma
1: would have led it. Look at him. Fred's driving, Shaggy and Scoob, yeah. Daphne, Velma. It, it makes sense. But anyways, we'll we'll leave that right there. But I do
0: really like that image a lot. That, that would make an awesome tattoo. Um, but they would go on these mystery hunts, but it would always be someone in a mask, and I always found that so bitterly disappointing. Like, I wanted it to be something else. Right.
1: But it was still a mystery that you got yeah, to sit but, there and unravel with them.
0: But this is what I was saying the other time we talked. Like, I don't so, know... that wh-
1: brings up the question, is it because the mystery wasn't paranormal, or is it because you didn't feel the mystery was good enough for you? No,
0: the mystery for my For my age, I mean now I look at them and they're not nearly in, in gritty enough for me. But I think at that age they were the mysteries were fine, but I wanted it to be paranormal because I think even then, I always suspected there was so much to the world that was strange and odd, and I wanted it to be explored. And they they weren't doing that. It was always ending up with it, it's a human and they're terrible and they did this and then they'd move on to the next one, which is why when they did that series on TV, Crystal Cove, it was so much better. Was
1: that was that like life at the time? It's a human. They're a terrible human. Maybe let's move on. They were they were showing you in those that if you're going to be a jerky human and cause this mystery, then your arrest is going to be what is eminent. We will yeah, hunt you down. We will hunt you down. Exactly. Oh, Lord. That was those were good mysteries, though, that all those did was teach you the consequences of right and wrong for yeah. those mysteries.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really fascinating. If you look back at what shows cartoons necessarily that you loved as a kid, I think you'll learn a lot about yourself and how you looked at the world. You know, maybe I didn't want the the villain to be human. Like maybe that was too close to home. Like I didn't want to hear that because you know I had bullies yeah, at school. And
1: possibly could be, but what what is it that really keeps us on this hunt?
0: I don't know. I think I think we have to. I think since the first time humanity found something they couldn't explain, you know, um, they've been on this never ending quest. We all are. You know, we, we want to know what the answer is. The, the, the question is, will you accept it when you find it? Like, I wasn't willing to accept that it was humans. I wanted it to be supernatural, but I had to eventually settle for the fact that, yeah, it was, a, it was a human. Pretty sad. But, you know, when you go on your mystery hunts, when you let yourself explore, which I think you should, you also have to be willing to accept whatever it is you find at the end of that journey
1: even if it is a big fat nothing because that right there because if you're disappointed because oh i found nothing at the end of this mystery hunt then you weren't enjoying the journey yeah and that's the biggest lesson right there life's going to be full of mysteries get out there figure them out even if the yield is a big fat nothing you didn't learn anything you had a journey You had experiences to share with people during mystery hunts or during whatever else it is you want to do. It's
0: about the shared experience, in my opinion. And it's about everything you're going to uncover on that path to solving that mystery or whatever you think that mystery is. It's everything else you turn over that is going to give you something. You just have to learn to cherish it, figure it out, sort it out.
1: That's right. And... I don't know what else I have to say about mysteries today, but whatever <laughs> I think it happens to be.
0: we've mysteryed ourselves out.
1: That's right. We're going to mystery out here. We're going get...
0: to mystery on out. Just going to hop in the van with the <laughs> time war dissidents of Scooby-Doo Kang, and
1: we're going to Vodio Dodo out. Uh, we want to thank you once again for joining us that's here right. on The Dark, Dark and, and unfamiliar. unfamiliar. Bye-bye. Bye.